You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Well, we're studying the Holy Spirit. I mean, I think that's probably an okay idea. That's a good idea. It's a necessary idea. And uh, we believe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is where right now? I thought I heard Albuquerque. No, he's in heaven. He is seated on the throne and he's seated not because he's tired or old. He's not up pacing around because he's worried about stuff and thinking, what am I going to do? He's God and he knows everything. He declares the end from the beginning. He's God. I said, he's God and there is no other God, no other God, God, his son, Jesus is where? Seated at the right hand of the Father in glory. He ever lives to make intercession for us as the saints. When you and I pray, we are to pray in the name of Jesus, which is the same thing as addressing your letter uh, to God. Care of Jesus Christ. He represents us before the Father. He opens the mail. And he's able to take our request and our situation and present it to the Father. And that's what he's doing right now. I'm so thankful for that. And uh, there's a day, though, that, and I don't know how soon. Some days I wish now, now, now. And others, it's like, you know, I want to wait a while. uh, That the Father will turn to his son and say, son, it's time. It's time. Go, Go get your bride, which is us. And that day is coming. That that's the rapture of the church, and that's uh, it's pretty excited. Get your tickets now. Okay. And then the Holy Spirit is the agent of action. Uh, let me back up. Jesus is the Word. Was with the God with with God in the beginning. Is the Word all the way through, and uh, forever shall be. The Holy Spirit is in the earth. Uh, his glory, His presence, and power are found anywhere in the planet. But he dwells in believers. He dwells in believers. And and so when we say Jesus lives in my heart, he does. He does by the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus uh, to do the ministry, the work that God had called him to do. Uh, And he empowers us. He helps us. And Jesus said, I'm going to leave. And he said, when I leave to go ascend into heaven, he said, it's good for you. It's best for you. This is awesome for you. It's to your advantage that I leave because he said, when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come and he will be with you and he will be in you. And when will he leave you? Never. Absolutely never. And so the Holy Spirit is with us and in us and he is helping us. Thank God that he's helping us. Okay. Now, all of that said, I have to go back because these, these four prongs here are so Important to us. I don't want to bore you with these, but I mean, throughout the week, I'm thinking about this and, and I really feel too constrained to, cause I, in my preparation, I thought I'll just kind of skip this part, but I have to come back to this so that you see how this works. Okay. And so we'll just briefly touch on this. Uh, you must be John three, three, Jesus said, you must be what you must be born again. And for our purposes and actually technically you are spirit. Come on. You're spirit born. And, and that which is born of the flesh is flesh. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Your spiritual life begins 
as the Holy Spirit regenerates your spirit. Now, this is a must do. Jesus said you must be. You must be born again. So if you're not, then you're not. And he who has the son has life, spiritual life. If you don't have the son, First John says, then you don't have that life. And see, we don't just need the life that is in this body. We need that eternal life in us uh, so that we can live eternally in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Secondly, we are what? We are spirit filled. Spirit filled. Um, some people treat this very, very optional when actually Ephesians 5.18 and some other places really point strong to it. This is an imperative. This is a command that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And not just, not just uh, you should maybe do this. You should absolutely do this. Be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. Um, it is not weird. Although we've had people model it for you perhaps in weird ways. This is not weird. This is wonderful. I want to remind you again that Jesus said, when I leave you, I won't leave you comfortless, but I'll send another comforter. And that word another in the Greek is very, very powerful, rich word. And it points to the fact that I'm sending you another one just like myself who will do for you in my absence what I would do for you if I were there present with you. And so I want to be filled. You want to be filled. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now, this is all good and vital and absolutely make sure this is going on in your life. But you can be, as we've looked in previous weeks, you can be spirit born and spirit filled and be extremely carnal. And you can be strifey and prideful and and do dumb things and cause problems. It's true. It's true. And we've looked in recent weeks how Paul addressed the Corinthians and he's, and they were spirit born and spirit filled. And he said, I can't, I can't even tell you what I need to tell you because you're so carnal because you're fighting over this and you're fighting over this and you're doing all kinds of weird and bad and evil stuff. And so the thing was they were spirit born and spirit filled, but they were not what? Spirit led. And this is the kicker right here because this is all vital But this actually makes it reality in your life when you are spirit-led. And we are spirit-led when we obey his word. We're spirit-led when we obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit prompts us in ways that are maybe not so verifiable. Most of the time, he will prompt you to do something that is already here in the manual. On occasion, it's it's a decision you're saying, should I move? Should I do this or whatever? And you can't find, you know, you can't find that verse. Because there isn't one for that. And so he leads us. The children of God are, are led by the Spirit. So when he, on, on something that's less verifiable, you need to get godly counsel. It needs to line up with the Word of God and you need to get godly counsel. Some people that you know have a consistent walk with God. Not people that have, you know, they've been in eight churches in six months. You know, you don't need to get it from a church hopper. You don't need to get somebody from somebody who's busted and disgusted and depressed and angry and, and, and all that. Don't, don't get counsel from that. Get somebody who has some fruit and stability in their life. Uh, hey, I'm praying about this. I'm feeling this. I'm wondering about this. And get some godly counsel and pray and God will help you with that. Because otherwise, you know, you, you can be led by last night's meal. 
or or circumstances that just kind of happen. I'll go back to it again just because I don't want to take time dreaming up another one. But, you know, six cars pass you from Alabama and suddenly you think we're moving to Alabama. (laughs) Why? Six license plates. Yeah. Well, you'll be moving back too. Okay. And then the ultimate goal of all of this is we'd be what? Spirit formed in Galatians 6, uh, 4.19 rather. Paul said, I'm going to labor until Christ's life is formed in you. Now this is huge and please hear me on this. This is huge because how many of you are trying to do, we're trying to do our best to follow Jesus and and do what he says to do. Okay, most of you. That's great. Um, <laughs> just warms my heart. Um, <laughs> and maybe you don't care at all. No, no, don't, please. I don't even want to see. Okay. Um, this to be spirit formed is actually for Christ's life to be lived out through you. And it's not so much an effort anymore. It becomes second nature because your spirit is born of God, you're empowered in the, by the Holy Spirit. You're being led by Him, and now it's just it becomes not so much the effort of doing this, but it's actually His life being lived out through us. We're formed. Morphe is the Greek word that we are shaped and formed into living just like He would, and that's what that's when we are the best at being salt and light and solid and a blessing. And, and everything else. And so these are very, very important. Forgive me if you're bored with hearing about these things. But I'm telling you what, this is what makes it work. Amen? Amen. All right. Tonight, I want to talk about being spirit-filled. And we're going to see what the Bible has to say. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Before we do that, and we're, we constantly have to deal with this because of different traditions, different experiences, and so forth. We have to come back. And, and I'm doing this for myself as well. Why do we believe what we believe? Why do we believe what we believe? Sometimes we believe things simply because of our tradition and our experience. And the Word of God, though, should trump your experience or your tradition. Jesus said in one place, he said, you've made the word of God of no effect because of your tradition. And so whenever your tradition, your experience or what grandma did or whatever else comes in conflict with the word of God, we have to take the word of God as the higher authority. Okay. So it does us good. And I do this constantly to go back. Okay. We're going to teach this, but why do we believe this? Why do we believe that? And to go back and rightly divide the word of God so that we can see this. So all I'm asking you tonight, whatever your tradition, your background, your experience, we're going to look at some things in the light of scripture in the light of the word of word of God. And I say, let's go with the word of God. Okay. And some of you say, well, I, you know, the way I grew up or the church I grew up in or where I came from, we, we were told this is outdated or whatever. And it's not, you don't have verses for that. Or that this is weird or I've seen it happen weird. So let me talk about weird just for a moment. Okay. There is a road. There is a road. Here's the road. And on either side of the road are what? There are ditches. And one ditch is excess and abuse. So you take the truth of. What the road is about 
and drive it into the ditch and go into excess and abuse. Most people then who see this, all the shenanigans going over in this ditch, will pull over into this ditch, which is another extreme, which I call avoidance. So sometimes people will take a truth, a Bible truth, and drive it in the ditch of extremes. Here's a principle. All extremes lead to error. All extremes lead to error. And so you take that truth and you drive it into an extreme or you get away from Scripture, you're going to end up over in the ditch. And typically what happens in people who get exposed to that, they want to go into the other ditch. They want nothing to do with it. And that's the case sometimes with the Holy Spirit or you name it, Bible truths. People want to go over into that other ditch. Now, real quick. One of the extremes regarding the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit, one extreme thinks that they've received all they need from the Holy Spirit at salvation. And that's taught in a lot of denominational churches, that all you would ever need you got at salvation. There's a basis of truth in that, but I think there's more that we need to explore out of Scripture. And so one side of this would say, we got everything we needed at salvation. When I received Jesus, that's all I'll ever need. Okay. Well, you leave out a lot of scripture when you do that. The other, and I want to read this just like I wrote it here. The other extreme is so baptized in the Holy Spirit that they're drowning in a pool of senseless practices that don't bring glory to God. And they don't draw anyone nearer to wanting to know Jesus. I believe that we can have a sane Holy Spirit experience. Jesus was the, John three thirty four. Jesus was the most spirit-filled man ever walked this planet. And every time we saw him in action, we respected him more. You read the scripture, you follow him in the gospel. You respect him more. You love him more. He is more and more awesome. And he's the most spirit-filled man that ever walked this planet. You don't see Jesus being some, well, way over in the ditch. Okay? All right. So. Let's go ahead and away from all of that. And I do believe that we can have a sane Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit experience in our lives. And by sane, I don't mean watered down and I don't mean powerless. I tell you what, the more that we know on this, the more that we're going to believe God and, and allow him to be powerful in our lives and in our church and in our, in our day-to-day walk. Now, we're finishing over the next few weeks. Uh, what I believe is the main emphasis of the Holy Spirit, which is in our personal daily life. He, he came not just for one day a week. Remember we talked about a hundred and what is it? 168 hours a week. He didn't come for just two of those. He came for all of those. Okay. And his major work, read the scripture is what he wants to do in our personal lives. But then we all come together and we come to church and in a, in a, scripturally balanced, uh, spirit filled church. We do believe in all the gifts and all the manifestations of the spirit and what, what we're headed towards. And this is a goal and a beautiful goal. And this is why I'm so proud of y'all for coming and us getting informed on this is so that all of the gifts and manifestations of the spirit would be in operation in our congregation. And when we come together in beautiful order, edifying the body, Edifying the church, sensitive and aware, no confusion. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. 
And the end goal of all the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit. And you don't have to be afraid of that at all. The end goal is edification, which means everybody gets built up and Jesus gets glorified. And that's where we're headed. I said, that's where we're headed. So that's why we're taking our time so that we can see what Scripture says. Am I the only one excited about this? Okay, three of you. Awesome. Let's go get coffee. All right. In all four Gospels, and and we're talking tonight about um, the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In all four Gospels, we find this passage. I'm going to read it to you out of John tonight. But let me just go ahead and say this so I can get this out here, okay? We are spirit-born, and that is one experience. And then we are spirit-filled, and let me go into terminology here, in, E-N in the Greek, uh, an infilling, an empowering, filled, or baptized. And these are two separate and distinct experiences, okay? They're two separate and distinct experiences. Now, I believe that there's one baptism, uh, there's baptism in water. That's different, and that, that ties in with being spirit-born, born again. You with me? Okay, and then when you're spirit-filled, that's also called the baptism with or in the Holy Spirit. And that is, there's one, one baptism, but many fillings. Okay, so there's many fillings. Now, let's go on with this. In John chapter 1, verse 33. John the Baptist said, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now, who's he talking about? Okay, he's talking about Jesus. And so he's he's saying that I was told God put this in me and, and there's never been a prophet like John, Jesus said. And so he said that the one who comes... And the spirit descends and remains on him. That's the one who will do what? Who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now there's controversy. Is it with? Is it in? The the Greek word with right there is en. It's in. So it's with or in. It's either, either way it works. And so this terminology shows up now. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. So if there's terminology in the scripture, should we ignore it? No, we need to look at it. And, the, and this is part of the, the wrestle that you'll feel of, well, my tradition, my experience, my denomination, or, or whatever it would be. Let's just go with Scripture here. There's, there's a phrase here that is strong and repeated, baptism with or in the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's look at it a little bit. So that's in John one thirty three. If we look back in verse 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So he's talking there about being spirit born. And then he said, and the one who the spirit descends upon and stays remains. He said, he's the one who's going to come and baptize you with the Holy spirit. So Jesus is two things. You ready for this? Jesus is the savior of the world. Church. I'm not reading the phone book up here. Come on. (laughs) Jesus is the savior of the world. And he is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. So you need to know. Anybody love Jesus tonight? Okay. Well, he and the Holy Spirit are on the same team. Okay. And so Jesus is 
the Savior of the world, and right here in Scripture, and He is, and it's in all four Gospels, He is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. He's the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, it says, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And I want to get that term out there, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he was talking about the day of Pentecost. Now, I made this statement, and let me back it up a little bit with some scripture, and we'll look at this real quick. Uh, To be spirit-filled, or that infilling, or baptism with or in the Holy Spirit is separate and distinct from when you are converted or salvation and you get born again. Okay? So let's look at some examples so that we're not, you know, where'd you get that? The Bible. Um, Acts chapter 8. And before I read this here, Philip went down to Samaria. Do you remember anything about the Samaritans? Okay, the Samaritans and the Jews had no dealings. Samaritans had, uh, you know, really some whack kind of things and some pagan uh, practices and so forth. And Philip, now in the book of Acts, goes down to Samaria. And guess who lives in Samaria? Samaritans. (laughs) Go figure. And he preached Christ to them and opened scripture to them. And it says that many believed... And were baptized. So I would say that they were spirit born. They believed and they were baptized. And the scripture has already commanded that you believe and then you're baptized. And that's what you need to do when you get born again. Then you need to be baptized. And so that happened. Now the church at Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had received the gospel. And so they sent Peter and John down to Samaria. And we're going to pick up here in Acts chapter 8 verse 15. It says, who, when they came down, Peter and John, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen on none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. So it's clearly showing us they'd already believed and been baptized. And now none of them had received the Holy Spirit yet. It's separate and distinct. And they came down, taught them, prayed with them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 9. You remember there was a fellow named Saul who later became Paul. Okay. Well, Paul was converted. Uh, you know, the dramatic on the road to Damascus where, where, you know, Jesus showed up post-resurrection showed up. I won't go into all of that. You can read it later. Um, uh, it ends the same way every time. It's awesome. Um, but I mean, go, go back and read this. And so Jesus knocked him down literally with his power And Paul, that was his conversion. And you read about five times in the book of Acts where Paul keeps recounting it. And through the epistles, he keeps talking about that. That's when he got born again. That's when he got converted. And so now in Acts chapter 9, he's already already believed. He's already a Christian now. And, And I'll show you another proof of that in a moment. Acts chapter 9 verse 17. It says, and Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, okay, let's stop right there. His name had not been changed to Paul yet, but he called him what? He called him brother. And you don't know how big a term that was in the family of God, especially in the first century church. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent 
me that you may receive your sight because he was struck blind during that time and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I think here's another proof. Paul was spirit born and now Paul is spirit filled. Now, as we go on, I won't take the time for this. Acts chapter 19, Paul himself went to Ephesus. He runs into about 12 guys. He said, uh, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we hadn't even heard anything about the Holy Spirit. He said, then what were you baptized with? And they said, the baptism of repentance. And he prayed for them, laid his hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Again, scriptural proof here, I believe, a pattern that you're born again, and then separate and distinct from that, spirit-filled. Let's stop just a moment. What does it take to get to heaven? Come on. Number one. What does it take to live this life, though? And to really live this life, spirit-led. And the goal, spirit-formed. But some people teach, and this is another in the ditch, you've got to be filled with the spirit. You better be speaking in tongues. And we're, and we're going we're gonna to loosen up on that in just a minute, okay? Because it's been misrepresented to us, okay? But you, that does, that's not what saves you. Is to be born again. Now, let's keep going. The purpose for being baptized with or filled with the Holy Spirit is for, and I want you to get this, is for living, it's for serving, and it's to be a witness. Not to do witnessing. I was listening to the radio today, and this, and this guy, and this was on uh, satellite radio. And anyway, I won't go into all that. Um, and the guy said, and what you need to be doing is passing out gospel tracts. And I thought, okay, there's a place for tracts. That was mostly 30 years ago. Most tracts are not well done. I won't even go into all that. But that was to do witnessing. The most powerful, effective, and efficient form of witnessing is lifestyle evangelism. With some connection with people. You're in and out of their business. And I'm talking about they're like their place of business. Or you have relationship with them. They can observe you over a period of time. And see there's something about them that I need in my life. Amen. And that's the most effective. Not knocking on the door and go. Hi there. I want to give you this track. <laughs> and it's not to stick a track instead of a tip. To a waiter or waitress. Okay. And I'm not. Totally saying don't use tracks, but come on, folks. Have you seen printing and things lately? They're, it's like really good. And you can still order tracks by the bundle. And they're just not well done usually. Okay. And, and beyond that, though, I think we need to be more spirit-led in how we do this. And live the life. Don't just, you know, and this happens all the time. People leave a track in a bathroom. I'm not even going to touch it. You know? The most effective, most efficient studies show it over and over and over and over is a lifestyle. It's just personal evangelism of letting people see your life. Now, I didn't want to get onto all of that. But the purpose of being baptized with or filled with the Spirit is so that you and I can live this life. It's for living, it's for serving, and it's so that we can be a witness. He said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
So you can do witnessing? No, so you can be witnesses. It's something that you are, not so much something that you just do. It is usually, now get this, it is usually accompanied by a manifestation called tongues, glossolalia. It's a Greek word and it means that it's a gift that comes to you and you are able to, you speak a language that you do not know. This is not the same as the public gift of tongues and don't confuse the two. And we're not even talking about that now. This is, and we talked about this in part, and I wrote it down here, in part three and part four. Week three and four of this series. You can go back and review that. It's online, CDs, whatever you want to do. Go back and review that. But this is your personal, devotional, prayer language that is a huge gift and a huge blessing. Now, I do want to say this, though. And I read after several people that I really respect in this. We cannot, based on Scripture absolutely totally conclusively say that every time that a person is filled with the spirit that then they then speak with tongues however i believe that they should i believe that they should want to but uh three out of five times where individuals are filled in the in the book of acts it's only three out of five that we see it's accompanied by tongues. So there is a little wiggle room there, but not enough for me to say, don't expect it. I think you should expect it. I think you should desire it. And the Bible also said it is a gift for you, your children, as many as are far off that are called by God. Okay. And so, uh, but I just wanted to say that because there may be some in the house, your tradition teaches that, that doesn't accompany. I believe it does. We don't have this ironclad, uh, scriptural proof that that's every 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 time but i think we have a preponderance of proof and then personal experience through 30 something years of ministry that that is what accompanies somebody being baptized with the holy spirit okay now let me and i gotta keep eye on time here john chapter 7 Verse 37 through 39. Again, I just want to show you a little bit of difference here. John chapter 7, verse 37. Y'all still with me? Have we gone weird yet? I was just looking in the scripture here. It says, on the last day, Jesus said this, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39. But this he spoke concerning The spirit whom those believing in him, those believing in him would subsequently receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus ahead of time, he is still not even gone to the cross. He said, but there's coming a time where those who do believe in me, he said that there is a river that will flow out of their bellies or their inmost being. And this he spoke of this. He was saying that's the Holy Spirit. Now, in John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, Jesus answered her and said, Whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water I shall give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain. Everybody say fountain. A fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So we have a fountain that represents everlasting life. And we have rivers that speak of the Holy Spirit. And I would, I, I want the fountain for sure. But for this life and really what that whole word, uh, Greek word epi for the Holy Spirit, it means 
on and over and upon and to the point of overflow. And that's the feeling that we want to have, the baptism that we want to have of the, of the Holy Spirit is that there's an overflow, that there are rivers of the Holy Spirit rather than just a fountain. We absolutely need the fountain of everlasting life, but we also need the rivers of the Holy Spirit in our life. And again, Jesus made the distinction between the two. Just a couple more minutes here. It seemed to be also, and I'm not going to take the time to go through all the scripture on this. It seemed to be a priority uh, in the New Testament church. We see it specifically in the book of Acts for believers that would find other believers to make sure that they were not only a believer, but they were also filled with the spirit. They knew the importance, the help that that was. Now, let me let me make clear on this. A person who is born again and not filled with the spirit Never, ever think of them as some second-class believer. I tell you, the worst thing in the world is arrogant Christians. Self-righteous, whatever. I got more. Good for you. And getting all your more and talking about it, you lost something. Because I think one of the marks of more and more of God in your life is a humility and a sensitivity and a compassion toward people. And then you don't talk down to people, you encourage people and you pull people up. Are you all with me? And so that's a very, very vital thing. This superiority kind of thing. Well, we have more faith than you and we have more of the spirit than you. Cut it out. You're showing that you have neither when you talk that way. But the reality that we have Bible commands, we have Bible precedent, and we know the reality of the help of having the Holy Spirit in our life. Let me just be flat honest with you. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. And and not just a little dab of do you. It's to help us in this life. We need to be filled, ever be filled. And that all begins with, first there's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, he moves in. I heard it put this way years and years ago. And when you're born again, he's resident. When you're baptized with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, He's president. And, I, you know, there's maybe some breakdown on that along the way. But I think you get the idea of more and more and more. And don't forget this. This is not some obscure being of God. He's just like Jesus. And Jesus is not just the Savior of mankind. Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. Let me go one, one other thing here tonight. In Luke chapter 11, verse 11, and later on you can read one, uh, verse 1 all the way through this. In verse 11 through verse 13, Jesus is teaching. He said, if a son asks for bread of any father among you. Now notice the father-son relationship. Uh, let me hold up just a second. What makes you the son is you were born of the father. So he's drawing this in and not carelessly here. He's drawing this in. What son among you would ask his father? And I believe that is pointing to salvation there. If any son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And the answer is no. If then you... Being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Everybody say my children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit 
to those who ask him. Now, if you as earthly parents, you're not going to mock your kids. You're not going to bait and switch your kids. You're not going to pull some mean trick on your kids. How much more will your heavenly father... What made him your heavenly father? Well, John 1.12 says to as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the power, the privilege to be called the children of God. It's when you got born again, he became your father. And this again points to the fact that there's something separate and distinct here, but he wants you to have all of that in your life. And I'm sorry that there's been confusion and there's so many diversities of traditions and denominations. Did you know there's over 22,000 Christian denominations? Over 22,000 Christian denominations. You know how most of them were formed? Arguing. Arguing over things. I just pray for all of them that they'll keep Jesus central. And that they'll walk in love. And Paul just said this, I I can't go fix everybody and I don't think I need a radio show to talk bad about them or anything else, you know. Paul said this to young Timothy and I take it personal, fulfill your ministry. Just fulfill your ministry. So as for us in our house, we're going to walk in love toward people within and without. I'll hold you late. All right. We're to walk in love. We're to walk in integrity. We're to walk humbly before our God. We're to be kind to people. We are to make it our business to dig in and discover what does the Bible say? Not just a tradition, not just an experience. What does the Bible say? And I believe very, very clear. And, and we've done this just in like half hour, 40 minutes or so. I believe that you must be born again. And I believe that separate and subsequent to that, a distinct other experience is you must be filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. Great news, folks. You can, the the same one who is savior of the world, savior of mankind is also the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. And if you ask him for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to play a trick on you. He's not going to give you something else. And and he's not going to mock you about that. And he's not going to be a withholder. He will baptize you he will fill you with the holy spirit the bible says right here that you can just ask well sometimes we need help sometimes we need somebody to pray with us we find places and i've found in 30 some years of ministry too that sometimes a person can just go be by themselves and ask and receive and other times people you know hey could you pray with me or whatever whatever it takes for you we also find in scripture that on occasion they would lay hands on people and say and pray for them that they'd re- receive the Holy Spirit. That's not weird, okay? That's not weird. That's just Bible. And uh, anyway, I'm going to bring us all to this point. We're going to dismiss here in just a moment. And if you're not born again, will you make your way up here if you're not spirit born? And we'd, we'd like to have somebody to pray with you. And if you're not filled with the, or baptized with the Holy Spirit, we'll have some people up here as well. Pastor Scott has some further information and also some people that'd be glad to pray with you. Listen. I know you may have read in the book of Acts, it said you need to go to Jerusalem and you need to tarry. You need to wait until all this happens. The waiting already happened. The Holy Spirit's already come. Okay. And it's a matter of believing him, receiving and and expecting that he'll come and fill your life. And we've got some information. We've got some people that help you on that as well. Amen. Do y'all see this from scripture? Did you get anything out of this tonight? All right. Good deal.